will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Welcome back, Leverage Addicts. I'm your host, Blandon, and you might be wondering why we came up with the name Leverage Addicts for this podcast. Well, it's quite simple. Because after people start property investing and assuming they started the right way and bought something good, they always come back to me with one burning question. And that is, can I borrow more? And you become a addict to leverage. And once you experience the power of it, this is what you become. Like Sally, who's sitting across me today. Welcome, Sally. So in today's episode, we have obviously a prestige guest, (laughs) Sally McCormack, an incredibly talented property trader. She also does project management and coach new investors into trading and also some buy and hold investors as well. She has made significant impact in the property education space. You might have known her from Asset Lab. I actually had the pleasure of working with Sally on one of my own joint venture projects in Sandringham where I witnessed firsthand her expertise and dedication to achieving outstanding results for the clients. So as well as a project management, Sally also coached clients on trading and continue to inspire others to get on the property investment journey. Sally, it's an honor to have you here today to share your experience and insights with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Uh, As a tradition to the podcast, the guest shares how much leverage they're running on. So how much mortgage are you working with right now, Sally? Yeah, so I owe at the moment close to four and a half million dollars. And that's across um, multiple, multiple assets. So that's also, as well as buy and hold, I've also got a business that I'll talk about as well. Yeah, I love the fact that your debt has a mixture of different types of assets. You've got your buy and hold, you've got your trades, you've got business debt which is quite interesting. And I think there will be a lot of key insights for our listeners today. So I wanted to start off with Sally because it's great to have you on the show. And especially after our collaboration on our property and the Mount Albert Road, I had to thank you because the market changed so quickly and we had to do a quick turnaround, get rid of it because the developers were not in the market anymore. We had to have a quick renovations and you did it quick. for us. And it turned out great as well. And so prior to all of the property investing and the training, you were a teacher. Maybe you can share a little bit about your journey on how you got to where you are right now from that transition from a PAYE job. And how did you sort of go from that to what are you doing now? Yeah, great question. How long do you have, Blendon? (laughs) <laughs> as long um, as you want. <laughs> careful, I'm a bit of a talker. Okay, so yes, I started off as a teacher and taught primary school. I was actually only working part-time at the time because my kids were quite little. And my husband was the driving force in our property investment journey. He was going along to all the investment seminars, coming home, telling me all about them. None of them really hit the right notes for him, though, until he went to one called Property Tutors. Wait, what for a moment, though, why was he going to all of these seminars? What was he looking for? Just anything. He knew that property investment was the way forward. He knew that we needed to know more about it and we didn't know enough. And so he knew that we needed to be educated and he was looking for that education. Right. He was coming home, nothing really 
was right for us mm. until he came home from a property tutors seminar and they'd been talking about this magical thing called trading. Mm. And that sounded great. You know, trading always sounds sexy and glamorous. You get to make this much money on a trade. And that hooked him in. He was going to do it himself and he asked the right questions. You know, how much time do you need to invest in this to be successful? Mm. This was a very hands-on program where mm. you went out on the road one full day a week. Mm. And so you were expected to do kind of homework or investigation on, on the properties outside of that time. And he was a manager at Vodafone and he just knew that he didn't have the time. So he came home and said, Sally, we're going to pay $25,000 a year plus GST to do this property investment course and you're going to do it, not me. All right. And his conviction was so strong that I just said, okay. And that's what we did. So we jumped into property tutors and within our first year, we had done 10 deals, three buy and holds and seven trades. At that point, I didn't quite realize the significance of joining a community like that. So a community of, there were 90 clients at the time. So 30 spread over three days. Mm. And by being immersed in that market, and being surrounded by those like-minded people because you don't get that in your nine-to-five day, right? You're normally surrounded by a lot of people, but not a not a lot of them have the same viewpoints in property investment that we do. You probably do because you <laughs> work in a mortgage-broking company. So, you know, there's a lot of people that see the upsides to property investment, but most of us, friends and family, are quite opposed to property investment. And that's, you know, there's a lot of people that won't take steps towards this because they hear that those negative voices in their head. So for me, being surrounded by all those people that are positive about property investment, but not only that, but they're doing it and they've been successful at it, mm-hmm. that my mindset, now that I know more about mindset, realizes that that was all I saw. So therefore, that was all that was going to happen for me as well. You know, mm-hmm. there was never any doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to be as successful as the people that I was surrounded by. How long before you actually took action on the first deal? Because you went from zero to 10 really quick. (laughs) Yeah, I did. So we joined, I think it was October in 2015. By March in 2016, I'd settled on my first buy and hold and my first trade. Wow. And I settled them both, I think, within two weeks. And so that was really crazy. And so amazing to be surrounded by. The market slowed down in 2015 because I I remember because that's when I bought my first property. The market was really stable. And so it was actually a really good time to start trading. But by 2000 and uh, the middle of 2016, it started to pick up. Mm. And so we were seeing that gap start to come between what do-ups were selling for and what the renovated stock was selling for. Yeah, so we did some really good trades. Unfortunately, Sean Woods, our mentor, passed away Mm. Uh, not long after. We joined our second year of property tutors, but he passed away, and I decided that I knew enough to do it on my own, which is what I did. I'd already started project managing renovations for some of the other clients. One of the things that you'll find out about me is that I'm quite competitive. So when I jumped in, I could see that some people were managing, doing renovations for a set period of time for a set amount of money so my competitive nature kicked in and I was like well I can do that but better and faster and cheaper Mm. so that's what I started to do so other people and even full-time property investors started paying me to run their renovations for them Mm. and that's how Profity was born and so I've got a project management company that I run with James where we did your one as well that um, we manage renovations for investor only clients so people that have got trades or buy and holds within the Auckland region only so from that 2015-2016 just carried on to trade and manage renovations and then in 2018 got approached by Phil Annan from Asset Lab.
Lab to jump on board as one of their trading and renovation coaches. So I did that, managed to build a minor dwelling on my own property in 2020. In 2021, we brought Simple Green, so that's the business that we've got. And then Asset Lab has decided to pause, so now I take on coaching clients on my own. So one of the great things that I'm really proud of is that with what we've done in terms of businesses and buy and holds is that if we were completely debt free, we're actually at our freedom financial freedom number so that that is our goal at the moment is to pay down debt so in saying that i wouldn't be opposed to getting another buy and hold if it came yeah of came course you always get more right like that's why we call it leverage addicts so exactly <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's really awesome that's uh quite a journey that you went on and at the same time i mean you got kids yeah like, so that time was really important to me you know making sure that whatever I did in property meant that I had those that time with my kids, which I do. I still drop them off to school. I'm able to go on camps with them. Anything that they need, I am there for them, which yeah. was really important to me. Every time I text Sally, she's like, I'm doing a netball thing. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> Very big on netball at the moment. Yeah. Start talking to me in summer. I'll have far more time then. Yeah. Well, I have to go play netball with you one time. <laughs> That's that's really awesome. So Sally, one thing that many listeners are curious about is the potential profitability of property trading, even though you say, hey, look, you know, you've got buy and holds, that's the long-term wealth builder. Property trading is definitely exciting, right? It's like, hey, money in the bank straight away. Can you give us a general idea, perhaps like how much someone could make in a trade? How do the numbers typically work out? Like what sort of things do you have to consider to work out what the profits or the returns are? So there's lots of numbers that go into a trade. So obviously you've got your holding costs, your agent fees, you've got to factor in your profit, you've got to know what the property is going to sell for and therefore what you're going to buy it for. I can throw out some big numbers like 600,000 as one of uh, the profit margins that one of my clients made and that was after GST but not after income tax so obviously with trading you've got to pay pretty much 50% to the IRD you've is that got, the one sorry interrupt you is it the one that went on one roof about yes the Otara one yeah so two properties bought side by side all on market both everybody had the opportunity to buy so it wasn't underhanded or anything else mm. it was where the market saw the value of those properties and packaged up together to a developer was then where the added that value was, was made the timing was impeccable the timing was amazing but <laughs> to be fair you know that that little bubble that we were in over that COVID time uh, there's a lot of people that ended up buying properties, sitting on them, speculating essentially. Mm -hmm. That's not what happened in this case and making money because the market did all the work yeah. for them. I'm very much about buying on today's numbers. I'm a little bit conservative in that way. If the market goes up, then I know that I'm going to be, my numbers are solid, just like the way that if the market goes down, I'm, I shouldn't lose money because I've done my numbers conservatively. Normally with trading, you're looking somewhere between, and it depends on your risk tolerance, somewhere between 20 and 60,000. Obviously, there's a lot of traders that are jumping back in now that they're hearing that we're at the bottom of the market mm. and that they're feeling a lot safer jumping back in. And so there's a lot of competition and a lot of fear of missing out. There's a lot of traders that haven't made money for the last little while mm. and they're wanting to get a deal at whatever cost. I'm seeing some crazy numbers for do-ups out there at the moment, I'd really urge you that you just do your numbers well and make sure that there's still profit in it at the end of the day. There's no point doing all this work and walking away without making any money. You also mentioned one thing that's really important, and I think people miss that, is the GST part. And that's such an important aspect to everything, holding costs as well. But yeah, like that's really good. So basically, you're looking in a hotter market, 20 to 60K per deal. If you're riding the waves, 
that number could shoot up really quickly. So Sally, every investment strategy obviously has its challenges and potential downsides as well. Can you share any less desirable aspects or unexpected complications you've encountered in property trading? Like how do you manage these risks and sort of navigate through the potential downsides in these endeavors? Because obviously we've talked about the upside, what's the downside? Yeah, and like I said, I've been trading for the last eight years. So I think the biggest thing is the market changes. We've seen some markets go down and we've seen some markets go up and now they're coming back down again. Whether or not we've hit the bottom or not, we don't know. Time will tell. But the biggest thing has always been those reserve bank changes, as you would know, those LVR changes, the triple CFA, things like that have always had a large and are quite impactful on the property market. And I did actually get caught out from 20 to 30%, which is what I'll talk about a bit later. But in terms of, usually they have a lead time to them. They're not announced that these are going to happen tomorrow. There's usually a lead time. And so then it's really important that you either move on the stock that you have got on hand or you take a more conservative approach to the numbers that you're buying Mm -hmm. leading up to that time, or you just actually pause and take stock of where the market is going before you jump back in. Um, For me, it's really important that I trade at that bottom end of the market. That's where the majority of the buyers are sitting. That's where your better yields are. I think it's really important that you have your ABC plan. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you buy on certain numbers. Maybe plan A is that you are going to wholesale it out maybe make no money, but therefore get rid of it quickly if you can see that some of these are changing. Or maybe it's that you throw some tenants in there and ride it out until that market picks back up. You know, when markets are good, you think they're going to be good forever. And when they're bad, you think that they're going to be bad forever. And that's not true. You know, look at the last two years, we've seen a huge change in the market. So it's really about understanding what happens in different scenarios. So it sounds like potentially there is uh, changes in the market that could change your numbers really quickly. And so it's having some sort of backup plan that will allow you to have multiple exit strategy. And that's quite important in your trades. Yeah, definitely. And it's very important that you're buying and selling in the same market. So whatever your strategy is, make sure it's a quick one, making sure that you can get it out in the same market that you've done your numbers on. That's good, Sally. Looking back on your journey as a investor, as well. Was there a decision or action that you regretted? And what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, definitely. It was when the LVRs changed from 20 to 30%. And it was in the end of that first year of my trading. And so I was feeling really bulletproof. I'd made lots of money. We hadn't really seen a downside to trading. I knew that the margins were really tight on this deal. And I did it anyway. And I did it and ended up not making any money because the market changed. At that time, we were selling mostly to investors, and that's why it's really important to know who your target market is when you're trading. We were selling to investors, and their LVR changed from 20 to 30, just stopped investors in the tracks. Mm -hmm. And so this property was purchased in October. We put it back on the market at the end of November. We didn't end up selling it to March which really four months isn't that long in the big scheme of things. But when we were selling properties pretty much before they were finished the reno, this felt like forever for us. Mm -hmm. And it was a really scary time. And you never knew that the market was going to pick up on the other side. And so seeing what I see now, I can see some similar things, you know, and there were a lot of people over this last COVID time that felt bulletproof. They bought a lot of stock thinking that the market was going to keep going up. There was no plan B or C. And now we're seeing a lot of defaulting. So my advice would be just to have patience. You know, you're better off just to wait six months 
and not do any deal, then do a deal that you're going to lose money on. So that patience is a really big thing. And I think that is actually what we're seeing out there at the, at the moment. People aren't having patience to know that actually you're better off to have really solid numbers than just to buy anything. There's traders out there that are paying anywhere between 50 to 100 grand more than what my numbers are on a trade. And to me, I'm really nervous for them. I'm And I'm interested. I'll keep driving past those properties and see what they do with it. See if I missed something with my numbers. But I can't see how they make numbers, money at that, those numbers. It's funny that you say that because when back in 2021, I like uh, 2020, sort of that period, I was looking at a lot of trades around um, property development sites. A lot of these properties were just bought at phenomenal prices that you just like, how do you make margin on this? You look at what the terrace house are selling in the area. There is just no margin if they, unless they build for like 2000 per square meter, which is hardly going to happen. And I think especially sort of in South Auckland, West Auckland, because the sections were like in that million dollar range, you just have so much people just buying at these ridiculous price that you would never make money from. And yeah, you kind of see it when the market changes, kind of like the Warren Buffett say, saying when the tide goes out, you can kind of see who doesn't have any pants on. You know? so there were a lot of people with no pants on. It's tough though. That's why having the right people around you and just having a, a more educative approach to property investing, I think it's really, really important. So talking about for property trading, someone who's just starting out, what would you say are the top three tips or piece of advice that you can give them and help them succeed in the venture? What are key factors or strategies that they should focus on that they can use it to increase their chance of property trading success and not lose money? Yeah, obviously the first one is what you talked about just before is that's getting educated. You know, I've spent $50,000 plus GST on my education and I wouldn't be where I am today without spending that money. A lot of fish hooks with trading and to have somebody to navigate with you through that is really important to me. Secondly would be become a market expert, really making sure that you are solid in the area that you're going to be buying in, understanding what it is that your target market wants out of that product, what the prices are. There's a lot that goes into being a market expert, so really making sure you commit a lot of time to that. And then lastly would be about... Adding value. One of the biggest things for trading in order to get that gap between your buy and sell is adding value through one way or another. You know, your Mount Albert one, we did it two ways. We did a cosmetic renovation and we also added a bathroom through council. Could also be adding bedrooms, it could be fixing unconsented works, defective titles, that sort of thing. Anything that you can do like that that's going to add value to get from that do up and then realize that margin, which is your profit to your end value. Now, in terms of the key factors, we haven't talked about this yet. You did a, a little bit. You said that you did your Mount Albert was a joint venture, and that's about leverage. You talk about leverage through mortgage broking and your lending, but actually in terms of trading, there's a lot of leverage in terms of time, money, and experience. Mm. So you could be someone who works nine to five and trading could be really something that could help increase your position, but you don't have the time to source the deals. You might not have the expertise to run the renovations. Well, that, that's amazing because you can then partner with somebody who does have those things. Mm. And maybe what you bring to the table is the finance piece. As a full-time property investor myself, it's really hard to get that lending, which is why I actually do the project management of renovations to help bring in that steady income. Banks like that, don't they, Landon? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, you, you definitely need some sort of steady income for, for the bank to say yes. Yeah. So therefore you partner with someone who's got what you lack. I partner with people who have got the finance. I bring the deal and I manage the renovation and then we split the profit 50-50. And so it's that leverage that helps you go further and faster, pairing up with someone who has what you lack. OPM. OPM. Other people's money. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the term, right? If you, yeah. if you YouTube at OPM. No, that's really good, Sally. So because you've talked to a lot of newer investors as well, you'll probably notice that there are some commonality between them, like factors or obstacles that sort of stop them from actually getting into properties or getting into trading in the first place. Like what are some of the barriers that you see that they need to overcome, most common ones? Probably three things. Firstly, it's the fear of debt. I think there's a lot of people that are debt adverse. They don't understand that actually using that debt to leverage your position is really valuable to get to where you want to go. Secondly is that they don't understand it. So it's around that getting educated, knowing what is a good investment property. And then lastly would be that fear of overpaying. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of people that just don't know what the numbers are and are worried that they're overpaying for something. Trading, just going back to trading, it's a great strategy to fill the gap. A lot of people trade either to create an income, to pay down debt or to build up deposits, because especially at this time, the LVRs have just come down to 35%, but it's really hard to recycle your money back out and keep going. Mm. So trading can be a great way to fill that gap of paying down the debt of what you've already got, or to build up the deposits so you can buy more and get to that freedom number or your retirement position faster. But at the end of the day, whilst, like I said at the beginning, trading sounds sexy and glamorous, but buy and holds, while as boring as they are, is actually where the true wealth is created. Mm. And it's about making sure that you are setting yourself up for a position so that you can live the life that you want to in the future. And the buy and holds are going to get you there. Time is a wonderful thing. It erases any mistakes that you might have made. I just urge anybody that's listening they just take that step into property investment. They'll never regret it. I'm always talking to my friends and family about property investing. I'm always wanting them to get into property investing for selfish reasons. When I get to retirement and I've got this money to play with, I want someone that's going to come and play with me as well. And I, <laughs> my friends don't have that money to spend don't worry, with me. I'll be there. You'll be there. You yeah, and me, we're gonna, Glendon. We're going to play. We're going to play. Yeah, yeah. We'll go, go on these trips. I'm very much about holidaying. Where are we going to go? <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking about um, doing some deals maybe in Bali by a few oh. villas. You know what we're my husband said villas. the other day? <laughs> we need to go and live somewhere more tropical. Where should we go? My well, first, my the, first is Bali. <laughs> exactly. Buy the Bali with, you know, like make sure it's cash flow positive. We add a few few more villas, increase our overall return. And we get to enjoy it. You know, we've got, you got your own driver, your masseuse, your chef. Sold. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things that you said were really good, like the fear of debt, fear of just not knowing, and then overpaying all of those can be overcome with information like the right information the right yeah, uh, direction those are really important things to just equip yourself with once you understand then those are a lot easier to sort of move past so thank you sally for joining us today and sharing your incredible journey from teacher to a property investor property coach and a project manager you just got it all it's clear your passion and expertise had made profound impact on a lot of people who are sort of starting out right you know and you coach them to become an investor from confused to confident you know that's that's really important well listeners 
if you guys want to connect with Sally, definitely check out the Facebook page. You can search up Sally McCormack Property Coach. It's going to be in the show notes. Or you can check out Profity on Facebook. Now, listen to this word again. It's Profit T with an Y at the end. And you will see all the before after pictures of some of the renovations she's been working on. I actually use a lot of those for reference when I talk to somebody, hey, buying a first home, don't have enough of a budget. This is what you could do and actually have the uplift on the equity as well. So some really uh, valuable insights and good pictures that you can just have a look. We hope you have found this episode inspiring and informative. And stay tuned for our next episode where we'll continue to explore the world of leveraging and wealth creation until then, keep leveraging and build your wealth. Thank you, Sally, for jumping on the show today. Thank you, Blendon. We'll talk again.